You're listening to the Cash Valley Insider, conversations with founders, leaders, and creators about why they live, work, and play in Cash Valley, Utah. The Cash Valley Insider is a production of the Cash Valley Chamber of Commerce. Become a chamber member and learn more at cashchamber.com. This episode is a part of a leadership lunch that took place in May with the Lieutenant Governor. Some of the information is a little out of date, but we thought the bulk of the information would still be relevant um, and useful during this time. Um, it's my privilege now to introduce uh, our Lieutenant Governor. Uh, Spencer J. Cox is Utah's eighth Lieutenant Governor, and he's from Fairview, Utah, where he currently resides with his wife, Abby, and their four children. He's a graduate of Snow College and USU. I have to say that. Woo! Um, thanks for coming to uh, <laughs> your old stomping grounds today. I'll just I'll just put a little side note in. Um, he also went to Washington and Lee Law School. He formally formally practiced formerly practiced law and was a general counsel um, of Centricom. He served as a city councilman and a mayor of Fairview before he went on to um, uh, be a county commissioner in San Pete County and then the Utah House of Representatives. Um, so I feel like that, that just really qualifies um, the Lieutenant Governor for his current role. Um, he is by statute the Chief Election Officer of the state and the liaison between the governor and the legislature. He travels extensively throughout the state, and we've seen him here a few times, and we're glad to have him back, um, supporting economic development, which is one of the reasons I've had uh, quite a few interactions with the Lieutenant Governor as I serve as uh, Economic Development Director here, so uh, in, in addition to my regular day job. Um, he's committed to strengthening families transforming education, increasing voter participation, utilizing modern technologies, promoting healthy living, and empowering the homeless and the impoverished. Please welcome our current Lieutenant Governor, Spencer Cox, to our meeting today. Take it away. Thank you so much uh, to everyone on this call for the invitation. Uh, my, my only regret is that I'm not actually in Cache Valley today and uh, that we can't be there in, in person, but I, I hope to be uh, back again soon. Our, our time in, in Cache Valley was a, one of the choicest experiences uh, of our life, my, my wife and I. Um, I've told the story before, but uh, we both grew up in Sampy County. I grew up in Fairview. She was in Mount Pleasant. We went to high school together. Um, after I got back from a, a mission, uh, she agreed to marry me and I said, uh, this is great, we'll get married and go to BYU. And she said, I'll, I'll marry you, um, I'll, I'll be in Logan. And, and if you wanna marry me, so, so will you. And uh, it was the uh, best decision I ever made, both the, the marrying her and uh, the, the going to Logan piece of that. We are proud Aggies. Uh, just by note, there are 10 kids in her family and uh, all 10 of those kids are, uh, are Aggies, and uh, so are all of their spouses. They're 27 degrees in her immediate family uh, from, from Utah State. So really, uh, really uh, awesome. We still have family there. Um, I actually have family in Lewiston, and, uh, and, and so we, we just, my, my entire life, Cache Valley has been a very special place for us. And uh, living in Logan was amazing. Now, I, I've been invited to, uh, to talk to you a little bit about the, um, the, the coronavirus response here in, in the state of Utah. It doesn't seem like there's anything else for us to talk about these days. And so um, I'm happy to do that. I want to make sure and leave time to answer your questions. And so I'll, I'll kind of go through a little bit of, of how we got where we are 
and uh, and maybe give you a little behind the scenes perspective that, that I hope will be helpful to you as as you uh, try to understand um, where we are and and where we're going. Um, so I've got to go back to uh, to early March. Uh, the uh, the president of the United States, uh, as we we started to see cases of the coronavirus here in in our country, uh, appointed the uh, the vice president to uh, to run the federal task force and. The governor looked at that model and said, I think that that's what we need to do here in the state. And so he asked me uh, to, to put together a group, a, a task force here in the state of Utah, our coronavirus response task force. And uh, we did that. We included people from from lots of different walks of life. Of course, of course, public health was, was represented. Dr. Angela Dunn, who has kind of become a little bit of a household face and, and name through all of this, the state's epidemiologist representing public health, as well as local public health. We had, uh, we had represent, representation from uh, some major hospitals in the state, IHC, um, the University of Utah is the research institution here. We had uh, representation from education and uh, from the faith-based communities, uh, representation from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and, and others, uh, those representing our, our homeless communities. We had um, the business community represented through, uh, through Derek Miller and uh, the, the, uh, the, the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce working on our economic response and, uh, and, and several others. Uh, and, and we all came together. This was on March 2nd. Uh, we, we, uh, we brought experts in, um, uh, former Governor Mike Levitt, who had, had also served at the, uh, at the federal level, uh, dealing specifically with pandemic response. And uh, we, we started kind of putting plans together. What would this look like if we, uh, if we saw it here? And, uh, and, and, and we, were, we were formulating that. And then, and then things happened uh, very, very quickly. Uh, you'll, you'll remember the timelines a little bit. So some of the major things, we were in the middle of a legislative session. And uh, in fact, we were at the end of the legislative session. Uh, the legislative session ended on Thursday night at midnight. And, and I believe it was basically, um, most of this went down on, uh, on, on Tuesday, kind of Wednesday timeframe of that week. But there were, there were some major announcements. We, we had already had a, a case a positive case here in the state of Utah, and then we, we had a couple more, and then uh, and then that that day uh, th that uh, Wednesday day we we had a, an announcement from uh, the, from the the predominant church in our state that they were they were uh, going to do their their annual um, conference general conference semi annual general conference was going to be held remotely and that was kind of a shock I think to to a lot of people um, know, knowing that that big event was coming up and then that night uh, I, I got a call from Steve Starks the, uh, the the head of the Utah Jazz who said hey we have a problem um, Rudy Gobert just tested positive and I think he was just the fourth case in the state of Utah. They were in Oklahoma City at the time. Um, that night was was one of the longest nights of my life until the the next night and the night after that and and all the nights um, for for a couple months. Uh, but we uh, the the NBA ended up canceling the season. Um, by the time that that night was over, uh, Donovan Mitchell had also tested positive. He was the fifth case uh, in, in the state of Utah, and uh, that's when everything changed and the whole world kind of realized, okay, this is this is bigger than we thought. It's moving much more rapidly than we than we expected. And uh, the, the the biggest problem in all of this was a lack of information. Having to make decisions when you don't have good information is is the worst possible decision making. But because of mistakes that were that that happened, unfortunately at the uh, at the federal level when it comes to testing 
we did not have testing capacity here in our country. Um, this has been written about, I won't go into too many details, but the, uh, the WHO had developed a test that was being used in, in China um, and uh, in Europe and other places. And uh, the CDC here in the United States decided that we were going to do our own test. Um, they developed the test, they sent that out in February and, uh, and then the test failed. There was a fatal flaw in the, in the test and they had to basically start over, which meant that we were unprepared and uh, we, we did not have testing capacity here in our country. Uh, when, when we started getting tests, uh, getting positive results back here in, in the state of Utah, we only had the ability to do um, about 75 tests a day. And, uh, and so we, we had to reserve all of our testing capacity for those who were in the most serious condition to protect our frontline healthcare workers, which meant we could really only test people once they got into the hospital. We started working with, uh, with ARUP uh, at the University of Utah, which is one of the four largest uh, uh, test labs in, in the country. And uh, they started to, to ramp up testing capacity. Then IHC, uh, the state lab was able to ramp up a little bit. Then we, we, uh, we uh, got the private sector involved with Test Utah to increase using lab capacity at Timpanogos Hospital in, uh, in Utah County. And so we, as, as we were looking early, okay, how, how are we going to do this? Because now the whole world is shutting down. Um, what is Utah's response going to be? Uh, we knew that mass gatherings were a real problem. That was, that was where you could have these super spreader e events that have been well documented. And so, uh, so that, was where, uh, that was where we moved first. Um, and and in, in so doing, the, the idea was, okay, we need to buy time to figure out what the response is gonna be to ramp up testing. We also started looking at other nations that had had a successful response. And, and it became very clear to, to us and, and, and to most places that South Korea was the, was the best model of all the other countries in their response. And, and basically that response, um, that response comes down to two very important critical pieces of, uh, of, of any sort of, of epidemiology um, or, or uh, pandemic. And that is you, testing and contact tracing. Um, so first of all, you have to know where the disease is. And, and where it's spreading. And, and that's where testing comes in. It's testing, testing, testing. It was always the most important piece of this. And unfortunately, the piece that, that our country was the least prepared for. The, the second piece of this is the contact tracing. Once someone tests positive, then you isolate that person. As we learn more, again, this novel disease, part of the problem was we didn't know, we didn't know how it was spread. Early on, we were told for a long time that it really couldn't be spread asymptomatically. And, and uh, you had to have symptoms to do it. Now, unfortunately, and this is bad news, is that we know that uh, maybe as, as much of, uh, as as much as half of the spread, uh, 40 plus percent is likely through asymptomatic spread, which makes it much more difficult to contain. However, so that, that's where we were we were starting from, and so um, so 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 then it, contact tracing is someone tests positive, then you you sit down with that person, you isolate that person, and you figure out everyone they've been in contact with over the past few days, and uh, and then you you isolate that those people as well. Uh, the the idea is again if we can prevent this from having incremental spread. When when this disease first started in the state of Utah, every person that got infected or tested positive was infecting three to four other people, um, sometimes more. Uh, with that kind of spread, you see that the number 
numbers, uh, the, the, the damning numbers that we saw in places like Italy and, uh, and New York. And, and so we wanted to, we wanted to avoid that. Uh, through contact tracing, you, the, you have the ability to do that and to bring it down. And so we started putting everything we had into, uh, into testing. And I'm so proud of our teams who stood up and, and ramped things up um, for now the rest of the country is finally catching up with us. But all through April and into May, um, we, were, we were fourth in the nation for testing per capita. And, and when I say that, it doesn't even put it into perspective because the only ones that were ahead of us were states with major, major outbreaks where the federal government had put all of their resources. So like New York was ahead of us, uh, for example. Uh, that, th those were the states. To have a, 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 a smaller state like Utah being in the top five in testing was just unheard of. And, uh, and so that allowed us to flatten the curve that you heard so much about, to not overwhelm our healthcare system. However, there were trials um, at every step of the way. It's not just to say we had the test. Once we got the test, we ran out of the reagent, the, the chemicals that you need to process the test. Because again, remember, every country and every state is fighting over the same materials. So we, we ran out of reagent and then, uh, and, and then we're trying to find reagent and then we started running out of the, the swabs that look like the giant Q-tips, but they're not Q-tips. Otherwise we wouldn't have ran out, but these, these specialty swabs that, that are used. So we started running out of those. It was just one problem after another and it took all of the resources that we had as a state to do this. So one, one story that's been written about running out of swabs. Every state was running out of swabs. Nations were running out of swabs and you can't keep testing and you fall behind if you don't have the swabs. Uh, we had literally just hours of swabs left. Uh, we found uh, through uh, Senator Romney's office, someone in, uh, and, and I don't even want to know who these people were, someone in Chicago who had a truckload of swabs and uh, we paid uh, 10 times what we would normally pay for swabs, but we had to get them here. We actually sent a plane out to meet the truck in uh, to make sure that they had on the truck what they said they had on the truck. Um, it was that kind of clandestine work that was going on. Uh, and, and this was happening all across the country. We also had a shortage of PPE um, that you've heard so much about, the mask, the gowns, the face shields, that the gloves that our, our frontline workers needed. And again, China is where most of this stuff was made. Everything was shutting down, and uh, and so we were we were you know we would have a load we would have a plane load of of equipment coming to Utah from China, and then all of a sudden it disappeared and it went somewhere else and we don't know who someone outbid us someone uh, confiscated it uh, we would never find out and and really really struggling uh, during during all of this to get things done but I, but I'm so proud of of our team and the way things stepped up um, let me fast forward a little bit to where we are today again we have uh, more testing for cap testing capacity per capita than just about anywhere else in the country. In fact, we're, there's a bunch of capacity that we're not using right now, but we're starting to use more of that. And that's really important, again, as we go on the offensive. Um, now we can, uh, we can start testing uh, you know, meat packing plants, all of the, the workers. We can start testing all of the employees and, uh, and patients who are in our long-term care facilities. About half of the deaths in Utah, we have, we have uh, just over 80 deaths, I believe now. Um, about half of those have come from our long-term care facility. So we can start using this testing capacity again to be more aggressive uh, to save lives. 
We also have more contact tracing per capita than anywhere else in the country. We have 1,200 people now. Um, in a normal year, we would have less than 40 that are involved in contact tracing for things like the measles and others at our local health departments. Now we have over 1,200 people engaged in when someone tests positive, sitting down, figure out who they've been in contact with, reaching out to those people, getting them tested, and, uh, and trying to, again, take a surgical approach to uh, isolate this. Um, now let's talk about the economy. Um, we, we, we knew, and we've seen this everywhere in the country, that the economic impacts of this would just be devastating. And so th this, this concept of shutting everything down was just very difficult. How do you find balance, again, when you don't know where the disease is, when you have reports coming out of places like New York and Italy and others where hospitals are being overwhelmed? How do you, how do you respond to that? Um, and so we, we tried to take a much more localized approach. We were one of only seven states that didn't do a statewide lockdown. Um, we, uh, we have always been as cautious as we can possibly be, again, with experts weighing in. That was a, a very difficult decision. I can tell you the governor was under a tremendous amount of pressure to do a statewide lockdown. Every other state was doing it. We were one of the few that, you know, Idaho did it. Everyone was doing it. Um, why aren't we doing it? You know, and, and the, 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 you know, the, the accusations are you're either killing people or you're killing their livelihoods. And uh, that's a terrible choice uh, to have to make. And by the way, a, a false choice um, and, and something we can address. But, but uh, the governor rejected that and, and we, were, we were fortunate enough not to be able to do that. New report came out today that said that uh, the state of Utah has the fifth fewest restrictions there, um, of any state. There are 45 states that have more restrictions on economic activity than the state of Utah. So so again, I think that's something that we can be very proud of. At the same time, our, our response and the response of Utahns has just been overwhelmingly uh, amazing. We have not only have we flattened the curve, uh, but we have one of the lowest mortality rates in the country. Um, we uh, we have, as I, as I mentioned, one of the highest testing rates in the country. Our our ratio of positive tests um, to, uh, to overall testing. The WHO has said to, to be able to open things up, you need to be under 10. We never got higher than six, uh, which, which is just remarkable. 6% of positive tests to, to ratio to overall tests. Uh, we're, 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 our, 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 our rate, uh, total rate is about 4.2%. We've been a low, as low some days as 2.5%, which is, again, just, just remarkable. We have hospital capacity. Um, we have, uh, we're, we're following it very closely. Um, we have capacity in our, in our ICU. We have ICU beds available. We've expanded capacity. If there is a surge or we see an increase in the fall, um, we're better prepared for that. The supply chains have started to open back up. Uh, we have PPE. Um, we're, we're, we're really banking things, um, getting ready for whatever's coming next. Uh, now, our employment rate is going to be, uh, again, just tragic and devastating, but there are some signs of hope. Some good news, um, we don't have the official unemployment rate for the, uh, the month of April. That will be released on Friday. Um, however, uh, the, uh, the, the, the National Chamber of Commerce uh, mentioned, believes that uh, we are one of only two states with an unemployment rate below 10%. Uh, coming out of out of the month of April uh, again, which is something that Utahns and, and the business community should be very proud of. Uh, it, it's representative of, of a, a tremendous amount of hard work, not just now but over the past ten years, as we have been the fastest growing economy in the, in the country and the most diverse economy, which puts us in a position to come out of this better than any other state. Um, this week, I we may be the first state where the number of people going back to work is actually exceeding the number of unemployment claims coming in. Uh, so that is, again, very, very good news, uh, a, a silver, a sliver of light 
um, in, in a very dark economic time for our, 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 our state and for our country and for the, the world as a whole. Um, now, we know we have a long ways to go to come back, but we, uh, we also know that the, the history of Utah is a history of doing hard things. And uh, we, as we have opened things back up, we are continue to take a much more localized approach. Um, it's something I've been pushing really hard for. Uh, we, we are not a one-size-fits-all fit state and, uh, and the way the disease is spreading is very different in different locations. Now that we have 12 mobile teams, testing teams, we can do this even better. We can do things uh, ultimately by zip code is what we want to do. We have some hot spots in West Valley um, that, that are, are still closed down. Um, of course, in southeastern Utah, where the tribes are, there's, there's been some, some significant outbreaks there, very tragic. But we are, we are able to attack those now on a localized basis, which allows uh, the rest of us, um, especially in rural Utah, I still live in Fairview. I drive 200 miles round trip uh, every day. I tell people we've been social isolating for 160 years. Um, it's just the way we do things in, uh, in, in rural Utah, and, and, and we're okay. And, and, and so helping people on the Wasatch Front understand that, that it is different in Cache Valley. It is different in Central and Southern Utah. And uh, making sure we have the leeway in policies coming out uh, that allow us to do that. So um, in, a, in a very quick nutshell, I could spend a couple hours talking about all of this, but that's where we are. And uh, I would love to answer some questions if you, if you have any. I think um, some of the questions we might have, well, one question is, when are we going to go to green? And you know that, like you just said, Cache, Cache County, the Bear River Health Department area, which reaches into Rich and Box Elder, our numbers have been low. Um, so how are you going to maybe tell us how you're going to, how you're going to um, assess and move to the next level? Tell us a little bit about what that process looks like. Absolutely. Thank you. So as, as most of you know, um, the, the entire state with, again, with some exceptions that I've mentioned, uh, the rest of the state moved to, uh, to yellow uh, last, uh, last week. And uh, so we, um, some of this, as has changed, one of the things I didn't mention was there was a special session held by the legislature and they formalized a process um, that, that, that kind of takes it out of our task force into a different sphere. So I, we don't have a lot of influence over that decision moving from, um, from from, from red to orange, orange to yellow, and yellow yellow to green. Um, that is made up, there is an economic and uh, a, a health and economic commission that was put together, um, made up of some legislative leadership, as well as uh, some uh, public health, uh, uh, a couple of our hospital chains, and uh, and some economic advisors who are on that team as well. And so the, the way that this will work and, and continue to work going forward, and the way we did it here is a recommendation comes from the local levels if they want to move from one uh, color to another. They have to have data to, to justify that move. And uh, then they make that recommendation. The local health department in conjunction with the elected leadership makes the recommendation to the state health department. State health department then evaluates that data and, uh, and submits it to the commission. The commission then makes a recommendation to the governor who ultimately makes the, uh, the, the decision. Um, but when it comes to actually what they're looking at, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, first of all, you have to have a little bit of time in, in one color before you move to the next to see what happens, to make sure that we're not overwhelming our hospitals, that we don't have a, a significant outbreak. What we do know about this disease is that there is a latency period of up to two weeks um, before you know whether it can take two weeks from exposure to actually having symptoms, to know if, you, if you've if you had the disease, if, if you get symptoms at all. Um, but 
but so so that two week period you'll notice that most states most countries state of utah has been the same too we've kind of done everything in two week increments just to just to see if the last thing we did worked it would be nice to know immediately but we we don't have that ability so really it is incumbent on all of us as Utahns, um, if we're able to do the things that um, healthcare professionals are recommending, if we if we wash our hands, if we if we keep a, a safe distance between other people, um, if we wear masks in public, if we do all of those things and we can prevent the spread of this, we can move to green uh, fairly quickly. Um, we, we talked to one of our econ economic advisors today who said that. You know, she would love to see parts of the state to start moving in a couple of weeks with, with the entire state moving in a month. We do know that there is some seasonality to, uh, to this disease. We don't know how much. We'll figure that out. The warmer weather should help. We know that being outside is always better than being inside. Um, so those are, those are important, uh, important things to take into account. Um, obviously, the most helpful thing will be treatments. And, uh, and, and ultimately a vaccine. And, and those are coming, they're coming more quickly um, than, than many people anticipated. We had a great call with the president and vice president yesterday um, in which we got an update from Dr. Fauci on one of the first vaccines that, that has gone through its first phase of human trial and it came out very, very positive. In fact, lower doses of the uh, vaccine produced uh, antibodies um, th that were, were all that ne were needed or, or maybe needed um, compared to the even higher doses, which is great news because if, if there's a lower dosage, it means they can produce more of it more quickly. Um, one of the really cool things that is happening right now, and it's a, it's a little bit of a moonshot, but I, I love that they're thinking this way and taking it, is that they are already ramping up production facilities of that uh, of these uh, potential vaccines, even though they don't know if the vaccines are going to be successful or not. But it's worth it to spend the money because if it is successful, then we, we have lots of production, we can produce millions of, of doses instead of having to wait a year as you would normally do. So, so that is very positive news. Uh, we're, we're hopeful that we will get portions of the state to green um, very, very soon in, in the coming months. We are worried about a spike in the fall. Um, every pandemic tends to see that type of a thing. Um, but again, we're much better prepared for a potential spike in the fall than, than we were for, uh, for March and April. I guess my question, another follow-up on that is that, you know, me as a leader of the chamber, I have been been following the Utah Leads, um, you know, document that you put out like it was the Bible. And uh, we, we are looking for more details when it comes to events like this event um, uh, that we're going to be, that we normally would have uh, in person. We're wondering, um, is there going to be some more detail and updates? And then maybe as, as things lapse, lap, or if we have a lapse in the fall, will we still follow the, this, these guidelines? Will they be, will they, is this going to be continuing? Yeah, yeah, it will. Great question. And uh, this is the hardest part in that it's, it's just impossible to, uh, to think through every scenario and, and every, every, you know, every, every potential event. So we're trying to get some, again, the, the group that's working on this, trying to get some very, very, um, very good and detailed and yet broad enough to kind of cover everybody details about about what can or should be done and how to be careful um, but at the end of the day it's going to be on all of us to, to try to make the, the best decisions we can and the most common sense decisions that that we can um, we do anticipate that we will be following this um, into the fall again until there is uh, until there is a vaccine and some herd immunity we will still be using uh, these, these uh, th this kind of uh, color-coded and, and by the way I mean let's be honest 
we've never done anything like this, right? It's been a hundred years since we've faced anything like this. We're all making this up. Um, the, the experts who came up with red and orange and yellow and green, we've never gone from orange to yellow or yellow to green. That, that's not even a thing. It's, it really is just kind of a, okay, how do we, how do we help people kind of visualize um, the danger that, that is out there? And, and there is another version coming out tomorrow. Um, I'll give you just a, a quick preview. Um, it, it won't be it won't be more detail on this. It's it's going to be more detail about how to protect the most vulnerable because now we have good data in the state of Utah. What we want to do is say, okay, if we're going to live with this virus for 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 a while, um, how do we protect the most people and and still um, exacerbate in a positive way our economy, make open up our economy and and get back to economic activity? And the way to do that is to say, okay. This, is, this virus does not impact everyone the same. So let's protect um, those who have the comorbidities, um, you, you know, those who are, are over the age of 65 and have underlying healthcare conditions. How do we protect them better um, so that we can, that, so that everyone else can, can really get back to, uh, to a sense of normal, whatever that is. And, uh, and that's, that's really going to be the focus of 3.0. Uh, already working on, on version 4.0, which is economic stimulus. And what can we do more at the state level to, uh, to to explode the economy and uh, and help things help things grow so uh, so that's the good news um, we're we're happy to take recommendations we are relying on public uh, on our local health departments to try to answer those individualized questions the last thing I'll say is this um, understanding risk is really important and there's a there's a a, a a blog post out there I would love to send out from a, from a well-respected doctor on un understanding risk with this virus and and how to uh, how to make decisions individually um, anytime we can do anytime we can we can limit physical activity with other people. It's just better for, for this to slow the spread of this disease. So, you know, my, my philosophy and, and with my staff is, um, do we have to all be together? And if we don't, if we can do the same thing and not putting a whole bunch of people together, that's just going to help. You know, if we take our, if our interactions used to be at a hundred and we take them to 75, still a lot of interactions, but fewer than we had before, that's bad for the disease. It doesn't like that. that. You know, this disease wants us to be together as much as possible and as close together as possible. So it doesn't mean we go to zero, but um, can we, are, are there common sense things we can do to limit, um, keep our distance a little bit? And that's just going to help from, from overwhelming things until we can, get a, we can get a solution, but still have our economic activity ramp up. Thank you so much. And if you would send um, a link to that blog post, we'll share that with the people um, who have registered for uh, today's event. Um, we know that your time is so valuable and that you have so many things on your plate. Uh, I was just thrilled and honored that you take the time to be with us today. So we, we appreciate what you've said. It's been very helpful. And I really wanted uh, the members of my area to see and the members of our chamber to see what it was like to form this, um, this huge task force and to try and navigate something that's so difficult. So thank you again to Lieutenant Governor um, Cox. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for listening to the Cash Valley Insider. For more conversations, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Join the chamber at cashchamber.org.